day before, just do another reading and then uh, preach to us. Uh, the first thing is, uh, 15 of us yesterday, I think it was 15, went to creation camping uh, with Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Bethel, Baptist Church in Barrie. The weather forecast looked absolutely like hellish, um, and I thought, I've committed to this. I can't believe it. Please, Lord, help. Um, and then, honestly, the weather was so much better yesterday than it was forecast to be. There was a few showers. Um, we were in the Gower with these two churches, and it was really, really lovely. The sun burst out quite a lot. Dav Taylor spoke to us uh, on Luke chapter 9, um, talking to us about how unbelievers say Jesus is like a crutch. He's fake. He just holds you up. Um, but actually, Jesus is real, you know, and he's a real savior who we must really live for. And he, he actually does hold us up, but not in a fake way. Uh, yeah, it was, but it was really lovely, touching base with Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, who, you know, we're so thankful for as a church, um, touching base with like Matt Emerton from Barry and Brian. And I thought it'd be good if after I do this reading, maybe I'll forget, I hope not, but I'll, I'll pray for these churches that we love so much. And we're thinking next year, you know, we'll make a big deal of going uh, to Creation Camping. I asked you all if you wanted to go the week after our church holiday, I think. It's not ideal, is it? Um, uh, you've spent money on church holiday and you are spent after church holiday. And I'm like, do you want to do something else uh, in a camping style trip? So, yeah. Uh, the, the other thing, I'm about to read the rest of Proverbs 1. Uh, and it's going to be a big chunk of text, you know, that we're looking at today. Um, because our, uh, our uh, what's it called? Sermon series is on Proverbs chapter 1 to 9. Uh, and it's pity the fool. That's the, uh, the tagline for it. And we are going to be taking quite large chunks of text from here on out. But there's two helps for you. Remember, there's this question box, right? So if you, when I do the reading, if you're thinking, I have no idea what that's about, hopefully Sam will cover it, and I don't, then pop a question in the question box. Um, there's no bits of paper in there. Hmm, I don't know what I'll do about that. But um, I'll get some for you after the service, and you could write some questions. That'd be really good. And that will drive, really, the content that me and Emma do in our podcast, Sunday Seconds. Um, so, yeah, please do that. Make the most of that. Or you could just message Emma if you want on Teams your question. And the final thing before this last, this second reading is we're going to hear for the first time in the book of Proverbs, a person called Wisdom is going to speak. And you're gonna, you might think to yourself, who is this person called Wisdom? Now, lots of us, we've done this before and you might know, but some of you will be like, I don't know what's going on here. So just to cover that. Wisdom in Proverbs is the person that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is wisdom. Here's two really helpful verses for us on this. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us this. It's because of God the Father that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption, right? Jesus Christ is wisdom. Uh, another great verse, maybe this is even better. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says... That Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you're like, where do I get wisdom from? It's all in Jesus Christ. All the treasures of wisdom. And you don't even need to go to the New Testament for this. When we get to Proverbs 8, it becomes really clear. Because Proverbs 8, wisdom speaking. And wisdom says, I was there before the creation was made. I was at God's right hand. Through me, all things were made, and me and God, we were rejoicing in mankind together. And that sounds a lot like, um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. 
he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, right? I think John is clocking that when he writes John chapter 1. Wisdom is Jesus. Now, if you want us to talk about on the podcast, I could say, well, why is wisdom a female then? (laughs) She, it's ill feminine, you know, wisdom is this woman who talks. Uh, Maybe we'll get into that because that's quite an interesting one. It's really, really good. Um, But I won't get sidetracked by that now. So as you hear wisdom's voice, it is the voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Shall I do the rest of the reading? Proverbs 1, 20 to 33 says this. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery? And fools hate knowledge. If you'd responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I'll mock you when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call on me, but I'll not answer. They will look for me and not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety without fear of harm. Let's pray that Jesus will speak to us this morning, shall we? Father in heaven, we want to meet with Jesus. There'll be people here who don't believe in him, people who don't know him. I pray, Lord, that you would show them who Jesus is. They'd hear this voice of wisdom. And for us, the church family here who know him, help us to love him and hear his voice once more, Lord Jesus. I pray for those in Mount today, Lord, and in Barry. Pray for Steve. Pray for Matt and Brian. Pray for Dav Taylor and Binfield Church. Please, Lord, bless these men as they preach today. And bless those churches, Lord. Pray for Mount Pleasant Baptist Church and Bethel Baptist Church and Barry. Please, Lord Jesus, build those churches up and save among them today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, quite a big passage. Um, I'm going to, to sum it up, right, so we don't miss the wood for the trees here. You just need to look at the bookends of the verses. Proverbs 1 verse 8 and Proverbs 1 right? And you, you'll get really what's going on. So Proverbs 1 8 says this, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And then the last verse, wisdom says, Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without, uh, live at ease without fear of harm. So the father's saying, listen to my instruction, and wisdom's saying, listen to me. And then in the middle, you've got the, this group of people called sinners, and they are saying, hey, come with us. Listen to us, and you will have a really good time, right? It's such a simple sermon, really. There's two choices before us all this morning. Wisdom. The father saying, listen to my son, go after him, pursue him, because if you do that, it will lead to life and you'll live in uh, without any fear at all. 
And then you've got this other path. It is the path of sinners who will say, join in with us. And it is, it's so simple, but it's really foundational. Uh, who are you going to listen to? And I think that the question that jumps out to me when, you know, is, well, why on earth would anyone listen to a bunch of people who say, hey, let's go and destroy some people, <laughs> you know, let's go and wait in line for their blood and try and attack them and stuff. Like, you know, is that really, I don't know if that really sells it. But I think here's the thing. Firstly, you are who you listen to. Whoever you listen to, that is who you are. That will shape everything about you. But who you listen to is defined by whoever you call your people. Whoever you look at and say, you are my people. You'll listen to those people. Whoever you can look at, whoever looks at you and says, you're one of us, and you look back at them and say, I'm one of you, you're going to listen to those people. And the father is looking at his son. And what he says, first of all, is, my son, look at me and your mother, right, and listen to us. Look at the family home here and say, these are my people. I literally bear their name. I'm going to listen to them. And then you're meant to also, from that, look at your church family and look around and say, these are my people. I'm going to listen to them, right? I love that we're doing this passage in the month where we're reading a book called Ruth. If you've read Ruth this month, well, I read it in our live reading on Thursday morning. It took me 16 minutes to read it out loud. It's four chapters. You could do it in 10 minutes if you read in your head. It's really, really simple. But it all pivots on this one thing, this one verse, one moment that Ruth does this thing, where she looks at, she's a Moabite who's not part of God's people, and she looks at Naomi who's not even the best example of a Christian, really. She's a bitter lady uh, who thinks that God is ruining her life. But yet, she is part of God's people. And she looks at Naomi and says, your people will be my people, and your gods will be my God. And the thing is, Ruth's whole eternity shifts in that moment. She was on a path leading to destruction, And then she looked at Naomi, a member of God's church, and said, I want your people to be my people, and she changes paths. She changes to a much more narrow path that leads to life. Now, some of us here this morning, you're on the wrong path. You're looking at people who aren't with Jesus, and you're saying, you're my people. I'm one with you. You know, they say of me, you're one of us, and I say, I'm one with you. And you need to, this morning, I want you to look around at the church family you're with. You can belong here, and you need to look at us like that. So I think, really, that is what this passage is about this morning. I've called it one of us, right? Who are you going to say, you know, you belong to? Which people do you belong to? So it starts with these parents, a father saying, son, you make sure you listen to me and your mum. That's a good dad who says, listen to your mother, but also a dad who talks with his son, talks with his daughter and says, listen to me because I've got things that I need to warn you about. You need to listen. The parents in Proverbs are parents who love Jesus, right? And they are equally yoked on that. They both agree on Jesus and they both really desire for their child to grow up knowing Jesus Christ. Now, clearly, that would be God's design for every child that they would be born into a family who love Jesus, who are redeemed, 
who know that he's the Lord of all, know that he's the Savior, know that he can wash anyone's sins away. But of course, even among our church family, that's not always the case because there'll be um, people who are in families where they became saved and they're a parent, you know, and then they're looking at their family, they're looking at a spouse who doesn't know Jesus. Or we also have single parents, you know, and you might think, I feel a bit discouraged because I'm looking at a family here that seems like the perfect family. A father who actually takes on his responsibility and talks to his children about wisdom and warns them about what's coming. And he seems equipped to do that. Um, I don't have a husband like that, you might say, you know. Or even, like, as I think about me and my wife, Emma, you know, we, we love Jesus. We know him, thank God. And we want to talk to Ezra like this, you know, as he grows up and be able to warn him like this. But you know what? We'll get it wrong. We are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But this is why you've got to bring in what Jesus says about family life. He says, if anyone were to leave their father, mother, brother, and sister, or whatever, for me and my kingdom, they will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, and along with them, fields and persecutions, eek, um, and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the amazing thing when you look at God's people and say, you're my people. You know, Ezra's going to grow up, and there'll be times where I'll say to him, Ezra, to be honest, me and your mum are not the best examples for you to look at in this regard. What you should do is look at that person in church, that individual, like for this example. Like, you shouldn't really listen to us so much. You should look at them, because they are nailing it, and we want to be more like them in church. You need to know this, parents. When you talk about members of church, you need to big people up, not tear them down to your kids, right? Do not gossip about church family members to your children. Rather, big them up. Say, oh, kids, yeah, how that person in church sings. I wish I sung a bit more like that. Because they're unashamedly praising the Lord Jesus, and I love it, and I actually often feel embarrassed, you know. So look at them and how they sing. You know, for example, like that, you know. Or you know how that person just serves with a smile on their face? Man, so much of the time you might see me and my face is looking grumpy. It shouldn't be like that, my son. Look at that person in church. Because we are a family here. You know, my son is going to have fathers and mothers beyond me and Emma. You know, he is. He's going to have father figures in his life. And so if you're, in a fa- if you're in a family setup that doesn't look like God's design, don't fear. Because church covers that with interest. So bring your kids to church, right? Do, do that. Now, the other thing in this is, it's so exasperating, isn't it? I don't know if you grew up in a situation like this. You might recognize this where you have authoritarian parents who say this. You listen to my instruction. And then the kid says, Yeah, but why? Because I don't get it. And they say, because I told you so. That's why. We don't want to be parents like that in this church. God does not want to reason with us like that at all. There is a reason that the father here gives to his son about why he should listen to his instruction and his mother's teaching. And it's in verse 9. And I really love this verse. Do you know what? I actually asked Brian yesterday. I said, Brian, I'm, I'm preaching on this passage tomorrow. Any thoughts, bro? And he told me this next thing I'm going to say. And I was like, that's so good. He does that. He's such a dark horse. Do you remember little Brian whose car broke down, the Scottish guy, uh, when he came here? So verse 9 is this. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Do you know that a garland is like a big bunch of flowers? Um, So it's like a bunch of flowers on your head. 
and a nice like golden chain to go around your neck. Why would anyone put that sort of thing on them? It's to make them look beautiful. The father says to his son, listen to me and your mother as we talk about Jesus, because I want you to live the beautiful life. That's why you should listen to us when we talk about Jesus. We want you to live a life that is just beautiful and lovely and wonderful. You know, we're not, we're not telling you, this is what Jesus says, my son, just because you need to follow some rules and behave yourself. Maybe you do a bit, right? Maybe you do. But there's a bigger reason than that. We want you to live a beautiful life. Now, would you describe your life this morning as I'm living the beautiful life? You know, children, do you, are you, do you feel that? When you, look, when you look at us as a church, I really hope you see that we, are, we have been given by Jesus, as we listen to him, a, a wonderful life. Jesus says that if you follow him, he wants to give you life to the full. You know, the best type of life. A garland on your head, right? Flowers around your head. It's like with Jesus, it is summertime. You know, the flowers are in bloom. That you can live a life that is just in bloom, you know? That's the sort of life Jesus wants you to have. Maybe you feel like your life is a lot more like winter. It's dead and it is cold. Maybe you feel your heart is like that and you are unfeeling and you're numb. Things that once caused you shame, now you just do them and you don't feel anything at all. You feel numb. Well, Jesus is able to melt your heart of stone with his you know, with his words, and he can turn your winter into summer. He can give you a beautiful life. And that is why the father says, listen, son, when we talk to you, that's the sort of life we want you to have. We don't want to just go for legalism, rules for the sake of rules, right? No, we want the beautiful life. And we believe that when we listen to Jesus, that's when it comes. So church family, we really need to be careful that our church life is all centered around Jesus, his words, and what he has done for us on the cross. Because church can become about other stuff. You know, it can become about we need to make the best songs we possibly can. You know, like sometimes I can like lean in that direction a bit, you know, and we need to make sure we're singing the best stuff. Or we need to make sure, you know, our AV game is on point, yeah? And it really bothers me if like there's problems with it or something like that. And it can be about how we do church, our church governance, you know, that um, we're ordered in a really good way and we operate like uh, a really good professional company. You know what I mean? It can become about all sorts of different things. It can be that we have the best possible youth club. It can be that we are the most welcoming church. You know, and it's like all these things are good, but it has to be at the center. Only Jesus can give us the beautiful life. Our, ch- our children are looking at us in our homes, and in our church families. And they need to be convinced that Jesus gives the beautiful life. Because if they aren't, they'll find it elsewhere. If they aren't, they will be enticed by another group of people. And that is really the next bit, isn't it? The alternative group is a group called sinners, right? Now, obviously, the place to begin is we're all sinners. Yeah, right? Don't mishear us here. Gabalva Baptist Church, we identify as sinners because we say Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And we're like, we better identify as sinners then because otherwise he didn't come to save us, <laughs> right? We are sinners. You know, we need a guy. We like, really love that Dan comes up on a Sunday or one of the elders and says, church family, I know you're burdened by your guilt because you realize you're a sinner. But let me tell you, Jesus died for our sin and you're forgiven. Amen? And you're like, yeah, thank God for that because I, I know I'm a sinner. We're the people who recognize that we're sinners, and we, we are like, yeah, I identify as that. But 
apart from Jesus, all you are is a sinner. That's all you've got. You haven't got the title, redeemed son of God. You've just got sinner. You're not a child of God if you're not a Christian. You're a child of God's wrath, the Bible says. Actually, God's wrath remains on you. That you, you know, he just views you and he just sees your filthy rags. Good works won't make up for it. Trying to behave yourself doesn't cut it. You can't behave well enough because you are inherently, in your nature, a sinner. And, you know, as Taylor Swift says, the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. The sinner's going to sin. This is the problem. My son, don't, go, don't be enticed by sinners because you know what sinners do? They sin. That's what they do. It's in their nature. That is what that group are going to do. And this is what we know about ourselves, you know. Left to our own devices, I can have all the best intentions in the world, but I'm going to sin. And sin is really just absolute self-centeredness, absolute twistedness. With the best will in the world, you know, we can want, like uh, Chairman Mao is like, I want a communist state. I've, I've read Acts chapter 2, and it sounds awesome. This church where they just share everything they have. You know, Marxism is the same sort of thing. Like, imagine a world where everyone's equal and where everyone shares all their possessions. No one counts everything as his own. Oh, yeah, it's a bit like Acts chapter 2 in the Bible after Jesus had risen and ascended into heaven. The early church, let's try and do that, but without Jesus. It doesn't work because sinners are going to sin. Sinners are greedy. Human beings are greedy. I'm greedy. I will happily, on my own, just trample on you so I can ascend and become greater. That's what, that's what human beings are like. You know, my son, if sinners entice you, don't go off with them. Don't be enticed away from Jesus. No one backslides into nothing. If our children grow up in church and then eventually reject Jesus, they don't go into nothingness. What's happened is they've looked at us and they've looked at the world and they've said, yeah, I think the beautiful life comes with them. Right? How terrifying is that? There might be adults among us who you're like, that's actually been my experience. I grew up hearing about Jesus, and now I'm an adult. And really, if I'm honest, I've looked at the world, and I've said, yeah, I want to be in with that much more. Maybe I'll give a bit of lip service to the church, you know. But if I'm honest, these people are my people. This is where I feel at home. Do you remember the thing about the blessed man in Psalm chapter 1? who we know is the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, the man who's altogether different, it says that he does not sit in the seat of mockers or stand in the way of sinners. You know, he is totally different like this. And this is why the father looks at Jesus as he associates with sinners in his baptism and goes, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. You know, because he's there coming to take the sinner's sin away so they don't have to just be sinners anymore. But Jesus is altogether different because he's like, no, I am not with the sinners. I'm going to stand apart with them. I want my own people who are going to be holified and totally different. Children, I really hope you don't look at the world and think that's where the beautiful life is found. I really hope you don't. But it is tempting. It's, It's good that the passage says that we can be enticed by this. Christian, you'll be enticed. You'll look at your work colleagues and you'll think they are free and I'm in chains. The reality is the opposite is true. The opposite is true. They're enchained by their sins. Jesus is true when he says that the soul who sins is a slave to it. They're a slave to sin. They can't help but sin. They can't. They keep trying to break sinful habits and they can't do it. Only Jesus can come and cut those chains away. And he, it, you know, some things he'll cut away immediately. And then the rest of your life with Jesus, he's just keeping on setting you free. 
Jesus is like that. That is where the beautiful life comes. And uh, there's a promise here that they give, isn't there, to, uh, the entice, to entice you away. It says, we will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our homes with plunder. You know, sometimes you say, I want to actually be involved with the world and not so much in church and with Jesus because uh, that's how I can get rich. Jesus says of me that I should give away money to God's people, that I should share my wealth with them. Um, but I actually want to just get more and more for me, 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 man. That's what I want to do. I want to hoard. I want to build up my estate and me, you know. So that could be enticing. The other thing that entices people away all the time, isn't it, is how many people do we know who have said, I really want a boyfriend, I really want a girlfriend, can't be bothered to wait for a godly boyfriend or girlfriend, I'll just go out with whoever the heck fancies me first, right? And you think, no, I can have my cake and eat it because I can sort of do Jesus and I can be involved with a non-Christian and that's cool, but you've made a decision in that moment that's a compromise. You've said, I'm all right with my relationship with Jesus being compromised and it's so naive it's so naive to think I can have a non-Christian relationship where actually, uh, you know, I, uh, we're one now. Because I suppose like we're thinking uh, maybe we're heading to marriage down the line. Or certainly I'm uniting with you and they're darkness and you're in light. And what happens because there's sin in me and I get easily enticed is I'm going to become more like you. You're not going to become like me really. You know, that's what happened to King Solomon, the wisest man in the world who wrote this book. Right? It'll happen to you as well if you go out with a non-Christian. Your heart will slowly, it'll be a slow fade maybe. You'll start to make compromises more and more and more. You'll start to become cold. You'll say, you're my people, mate. My boyfriend, my girlfriend, you're my people. Then less and less my people. And I'm going to listen to you and we're going to start to make decisions now. And maybe you're being enticed that way, right? So listen now to our Father in heaven. He says, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Maybe God's calling you to a single life, Right? And you're like, how can that be better? And Jesus is like, trust me, trust me. Or he's saying, there's someone in your future, right? Just wait, just wait on the Lord, be patient, trust me. And that's what you've got to do. So you've got to ask yourself, where does this path lead? That's the wise thing to do. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Stephen Merchant, who's the brains behind the office, the UK office, the best one. He's the brains behind it. He's also done a series called The Outlaws. Um, it's about gangs in Bristol, <laughs> which is, he finds really funny because it's like not in America or anything. It's in Bristol, you know, the Bristol gangs. They've all got Somerset farmer accents, you know, these like Bristol gangsters. Um, but he was like, I just didn't understand gangs when I started working on this because it's like, think about the consequences. And he was working with a guy who's been in gangs and he said, no, the point with gangs is we don't think about the consequences, right? Now, the wise person doesn't look at where their feet are at and go, oh, this is nice. They lift their head up. Jesus might lift it, you'll have to lift your head up this morning and say, you need to look ahead at where the path's going, right? And Jesus couldn't put it clear in the Sermon on the Mount, could he, when he says, and I've already referenced it, it's two paths, a wide one with loads of people on called sinners. And it's cool because you're with loads of them and you're, you know, you're in the in crowd and you can do whatever you want on this path, but it leads to destruction, but then there's a narrow path. And you're not alone on the narrow path, but we are in the vast minority, aren't we? But we have each other. You look around and you go, huh, really? <laughs> these people? Yeah, these are the people God thinks you need around you. 
And Jesus will lift your head up and say, but look where it's heading. I know it's tight. I know it's narrow. And it's uncomfortable sometimes. But it's heading to life eternal. Stay on this path. Don't be enticed over there. It's distracting, isn't it? You know, they seem to be having a lot of fun. But look where they're heading. Day after day, look where it ends up. Whereas here, not only does it end up in life, Jesus wants to say to you, and also this is the beautiful life. When you listen to me, when you just humble yourself, listen to my instruction, listen to my voice, I can turn all your winters into summers. I can set you free. I can place on your head a beautiful bunch of roses and you'll just look like you're alive. And even though the world is like dead and winter, you'll look alive. And people would be like, how are you coping when that loved one died? And it's because Jesus is sustaining me. At Jean's funeral on Wednesday, it was so good. Someone came up who knew Jean, and she was actually saved through Jean. And Jean lost her husband in 1982. And this lady said, let me tell you something, Jean didn't cope. She looked like she was coping, but she didn't. But what she did was, she cast all her anxiety on Jesus Christ, who cares for her, and she left it there. (laughs) And that is how Jean got through that period of her life and didn't commit uh, suicide herself and kept going and raised three daughters who were 9, 11, and 13. Imagine that. She kept going because she cast all anxiety on him. And that looks like a tough life, and yet Jean was alive. God placed a garland on her head and a chain to adorn her neck. May that be us as well. Kids, I hope you look at us and say, life is found with Jesus, and these people are my people. And church family, would we look at each other? And I understand, you're going to have friends. You're going to have work colleagues. Of course you are. Great stuff. But look at church and say, these are my people. I'm, you know, they say of uh, me, you're one of us. And I say, I'm one with you. Shall I pray for us in this? Father in heaven, thank you so much for... Uh, This passage, Lord, which is just teaching us that we need to reject this wide path with sinners on and stick with the bunch of sinners who've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, Lord, the church family. Please, Lord, help us in this. Give us the beautiful life, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.